Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. Come on, who's excited to be here today? That was a little bit better than the first service. Come on, who's excited to be here today? I mean, you're here, so you might as well be excited about it. Uh, man, what an incredible first service we had. God is so good. I'm um, excited for what he's put on my heart for you today. But before we get into it, matter of fact, do this, though. Uh, turn in your Bibles. We're going to go straight to Exodus chapter 3. And as you're turning there, um, as we were in worship, um, I just felt two things, and I want to do it real quick. The first one is this, is there's someone here um, with an irregular heartbeat, uh, like, like an arrhythmia, I think it's called, or something like an irregular heartbeat. Um, and, and God wants to heal you today. I believe that. I believe God wants to heal you today. And so I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, uh, but I'm going to pray for you. Um, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're here, because I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. The second one is this. Uh, when we were celebrating our 10-year anniversary um, as a church in March, uh, the Holy Spirit put up on my heart uh, to believe for $100,000 on our anniversary celebration, because I wanted $10,000 for every year we were at church. Church 10 years times 10 is $100,000. And I began to pray for that and believe for that. And I did, a couple of days before, I shared it with some of our, our, our team. And then I, on, uh, I think I sent an email out a couple of days before and, um, and said, hey, let's believe for $100,000 on our 10-year anniversary celebration. And, uh, and so, um, and so on, on the anniversary celebration, I just mentioned it. Hey, guys, this is what I'm believing for, $10,000 for every year we've been at church. And so um, if you want to give today, give. And I kid you not, we had the lowest giving Sunday we've ever had. Yeah. It's real funny. Um, and so I, I wasn't really discouraged about it, but I just kind of forgot about it. And um, I had my prayer time on Monday, had my prayer time on Tuesday. And in my prayer time on Wednesday, I'm praying and just worshiping. I go into the sanctuary, um, smaller than this, but I go into the sanctuary, turn on the sound, so it's just me. And, and I just pace and I pray. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit said, hey, why did you stop praying for that $100,000? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just, I, we're, you know, we celebrate. It's kind of anticlimactic, God. Like, you know, like we just celebrate. And he goes, well, I didn't tell you to stop praying for it. And so I said, okay. So in the last couple of minutes of my prayer time, I prayed, God, would you give us $100,000? I walked out of our, my prayer time. And about 15 minutes out of prayer time, my phone rings. And it's from somebody who has my number but rarely uses it. And says, hey, um, let me ask you a question. Um, if, if you had property as a church and you sold it, would you have to pay capital gains tax? I said, no, we would not. He said, okay, because I have this property I forgot about. Can I just pause right there for a minute? I want to get to that place in my life where I just have some property I forgot about. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I got this building right down here on Wilshire. I forgot I had it, but, you know. Um, and, and I'm like, okay. He goes, you know, so here's what I want to do. I want to give that to the church so that way you can sell it and you can take all the proceeds. And in 30 days, we turned around and sold that thing for a quarter of a million dollars. Come on, somebody. Now, why am I sharing that with you? Two reasons I'm sharing that with you. Your pastor's believing for $300,000 in one Sunday, and I'm telling you, God's going to do exceedingly and abundantly above all he's asked, thought, or imagined. That's number one. Number two, there's somebody in here right now, and God had spoke to you something, and you stopped praying for it. And I feel like God wanted me to remind you to start praying again. And start believing, what, what, what was that dream? What was that thing that he spoke to you and said, hey, I want you to go after this. And because it didn't happen on your timetable, you stopped praying. 
I believe that God is saying to you today, hey, it's time to ask again. It's time to pray again. And so I want to pray for those two things before I even get into the word today. If you're here and you have an irregular heartbeat, could you just raise your hand and you've been diagnosed with that? Um, just raise your hand. It's okay. Yeah, you can raise it. I won't pray for you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I believe that God's going to heal you today. Do you believe that? I believe God's going to heal you. And you're here and, and you've, you have a, had something and you just stopped praying for it. And um, you know I'm talking to you right now. Could you just raise your hand? You just stopped praying for it. You stopped praying. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I believe that just like I got that phone call 15 minutes after my prayer time, I believe this week. Um, something's going to happen. A breakthrough's going to happen for you. Church, can we pray for these people right now? God, we thank you that you're a healer. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you're healing people of um, irregular heartbeats right now. That, God, you are coming right now and you're creating them literally, physically, a brand new heart. God, we know you do that in Scripture spiritually, but God, we're believing right now that literally, right now, physically, you're creating a brand new heart. And God, we say heart arrhythmia, heart, irregular heartbeats stop right now in Jesus' mighty name and it's going to be, begin to be normal. You're going to go to the doctor in the next week or so and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna verify that it's true. So God, we're praying for supernatural healing. Lord, I'm praying for the one right now, uh, Lord, that is here, that gave up on the dream, that stopped praying. I pray that today, Lord God, as they dive back in in obedience and start to pray, that God, they would see it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Everybody say this. Say L.A. That wasn't everybody. Say L.A. Needs me. Come on, L.A. needs you. I believe that. We're not going to be looking at the book of Daniel today, um, but we're going to divert, and we're going to go to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Start reading in verse 1. Let me catch you up to speed, though, of what's taking place here, um, because there are many of us in here that are new to church. We're new to the Bible, and so we're going to be talking about a guy named Moses. Moses is a Hebrew being raised in an Egyptian culture. And the reason he's a Hebrew being raised in Egyptian culture is because God, um, there was a famine in the land, and God used Egypt actually to spare Israel from the famine. And so many years prior to what I'm going to read here, uh, there was a great famine in the land, and uh, God opened up the doors to Egypt, and Israel came in and was spared, and they were fed. But now many, many years have gone by, and the Pharaoh, the leader at the time, has looked at the Israelites and said, they're becoming a mighty nation. We need to do something about this, lest they, they become mightier in us and turn on us. And so the Pharaoh, the leader, said, here's what we're going to do, and told all the midwives, um, any baby boy that is born, I want you to put them to death. That was the decree. That was the order. Well, the Israelites get a hold of this news, and they obviously don't want to put their children to death, and so Moses' parents uh, make a little boat, a little ark, if you will, and, 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 and they put him in this, and they shove him down uh, the water. And as he's floating down the water, a woman hears the cry of the child and goes over and discovers this baby. And it happens to be Pharaoh's daughter, the very one that said, hey, we're going to put these children to death. And Pharaoh's daughter draws Moses out of the water and is allowed to keep Moses. And therefore, he's raised in uh, Pharaoh's house as an Egyptian. Well, as time goes on and Moses gets older, he sees, because he knows, he, he discovers he's, he's one of the Israelites. He's a Hebrew. And he sees his people being mistreated. And he doesn't like the fact that they're being mistreated. And one day, he sees uh, one of the Hebrews being beaten. And as there's being beaten, a little anger rises up inside him, and he goes and pushes the Egyptian away, pushes him so hard that the Egyptian falls and hits his head and dies. And now Moses realizes what he's done, and so he flees Egypt knowing the fate that awaits him. And so now he's living out in the desert. He's living out in the wilderness. He's now met somebody. He has a family. This is many years later, Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Are you with me? And it says this, it says, one day Moses 
was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. And so he's met somebody, he's married, and he works for his wife's father, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him blazing, uh, in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And so here's the scene. He's just tending. He's just going about his life, going about his day, going about what he's done now for years. And as he's there doing it, all of a sudden he looks over and there's a bush and it's on fire, but yet it's not being consumed. It just is blazing and blazing. And so if you were read on in the next verses, uh, Moses is curious about this. And so he goes over it. And once God has his attention, he begins to speak to him. And can I just tell you today that when God wants to get a hold of you, he will use whatever means speak to you to get a hold of you. Whatever piques your curiosity, whatever gets your attention, he will do that. He will use that. And once he has it, he will begin to speak to you and begin to declare something great to you. And so all of a sudden now God has his attention and God begins to speak to him. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? In other words, Moses knows why he's where he's at. He knows that he murdered somebody. He knows that he killed somebody. He knows of the impurities in his own life. And he's saying, well, well who am I to go do that? And God answered, I will be with you. <laughs> and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm with Moses on this one right here. Because if God shows up to me in a unique way and begins to speak to me and says, here's what I want you to do. I don't want the sign to be on the other side. I want the sign to be right now. Are you with me? Did you catch what God said? Hey, I want you to go, and here's the sign you're going to get. Once you go and do it, then this is what's going to happen. No, 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 no. That's not the way we speak. Are you with me today? God, if you're speaking to me, I want a sign right now. Are you with me today? I, I, I want to know right now. I don't want to know when we get there. I want to know that you're in it with me right now in this moment. But that's not the way God works. God says, hey, I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to take a step of obedience. And as you take that faith step and that obedience step, watch and see me show up. I want you to go do this. Moses is like, I don't know. <laughs> Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. Now as we read this, that might not mean much to us. We might just be sitting there saying, okay, I am sent you. That meant a lot to them. And the reason it meant a lot to them, because what they're declaring right there, because you got to understand, as this was being penned, they weren't allowed to write the word Yahweh. They were not allowed, and so he had to think of some words he could use. And what's being declared right here is Yahweh will be with you. I am who I am is going, I am everything I have, the strength that I have, the might that I have, the power I have, the creativity I have, God I am is with you. Tell him that. I am 
is with you. Exodus 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. And now before you look and chuckle there, you and I are the exact same way. God shows up and speaks to us, and we're like, I'm not so sure. Think you might got the wrong one. I don't know that I'm capable of what you're asking me, asking me to do. And he's, and, he's, and he's protesting. He says, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? Valid question, by the way. I mean, let's be honest. If, if, if you went to your friends today and said, hey, guys, I got a message from God from you, for you. And they're like, really, how'd you get that? My tree in my yard was on fire. And it began to speak to me. Ain't none of your friends going to listen to you. They might have been, yeah, there was a burning bush, but you were smoking it, not seeing it. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? I mean, it's a valid question. Like, I'm going and saying, hey, by the way, this thing was on fire and God spoke to me. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to leave. And Moses is like, I, I, don't, I don't really know if this is going to happen. What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asks him, what is that in your hand? I love what God does here. He doesn't, he doesn't really answer the question. He brings it back and says, hold on a second. I want to ask you a question. What is in your hand? And Moses replied, well, it's my shepherd's staff. And God says, throw it to the ground. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. The Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. Most theologians and scholars believe that Moses had a, a, a stutter, that he couldn't formulate words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. You ever ticked off God before? One translation says this, and God's anger waxed hot against Moses. I don't know about you, but when I die one day and they're celebrating the incredible life that I lived, I don't want that to be said. You know, remember that one time when God's anger waxed hot against Ben? God's ticked. God's mad. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way to meet you. Isn't that just like, that's just God right there. Well, look at that, there he is. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman. 
to the people and he, he will be your mouthpiece and you will stand in the place of God for him telling him what to say. Do you see what God did right there? God says, you're still gonna do it. You ain't getting out of it. Because when God gets something in his mind, he will do whatever it takes to use you and get it done. The problem is, is we complicate it sometimes. And Moses has now complicated it. He's got to speak through an interpreter. Verse 17. And take your shepherd's staff. Take what's in your hand. Take what you possess with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. I want to speak to you for the next few moments what is in your hand. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. And Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together that you would take this incredible word, this word, Lord God, that, that, that we see in Scripture, and God, you would communicate it to us in a way that we can receive it. God, I pray that when we leave this place today, we would see, Lord God, that L.A. truly needs us. So, Lord, I pray you'd help me now create an environment for people to discover your son, Jesus, know your incredible love, and realize the awesome plan that you have for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Has anybody in here ever lost anything before? Five of you. All right. You're all liars. We'll pray for that later, but... You know, they just lost something, like you can't find it. Has anybody lost your mind? Come on, somebody. Lost a child. Come on, anybody lost a child in a store before? Been there, done that. We used to have three. We only have two now, but you ever lost? How about this? You ever been, you ever been like, at the beach, and then all of a sudden you're picking everything up, and you're getting ready to go, and you're frantically looking all over for your sunglasses only to discover they're sitting there right there on your head the whole time? You know what I'm talking about? I remember an instance one time when I was, I was getting out of the house. I needed to go somewhere. And, um, and I come running back into the house frantic. And my wife's like, hey, what's wrong? I was like, babe, I don't have time right now. And I was looking all over for my wallet. And I'm looking everywhere. I'm, I'm looking under, under you know, the couch and the pillows. I'm looking in my drawer, my nightstand, under the bed. I'm looking. It's funny when you lose something and can't find it and you start to get frantic that you just start looking in places it would never be. You know what I'm talking about? Like, well, maybe it ended up in the cereal box. I don't know. You know, like, you, just, you start looking everywhere for this thing that you lost. And that was me. I was looking everywhere, and I was frantic, and I was trying to find this thing. And my wife kept interrupting me. It's like, Ben, what's the matter? Let me help you. I was like, babe, I don't have time right now. Finally, she stops and says, Ben, what's the matter? What do you need? I was like, babe, I, I got to go. I need to find my wallet. And all of a sudden, the smile comes on her face. I'm like, this is, this is not funny. She looks at me. She goes, Ben, what's in your hand? And I looked down at my hand, and there was my wallet the whole entire time. As I'm running frantic all over the house looking for, anybody ever had that experience before? And there I was searching high and low, looking all over for my wallet, only to discover it was in my hand the whole entire time. Can I say something today? I believe some of us live our spiritual existence that way. That we are looking all over for the, for the answers of God to our community, for the answers of God to our job place, for the answers of God to our school, to the answers of God to our community, while all the while it's sitting right here. God placed you there. God puts you there. And you are, are you with me this morning? See, some of us do this. Some of us get to our job place and we're working and all of a sudden we look around, we see the depravity in our workplace and we look around, we're like, man, this place really needs some Christians. And so all of a sudden, you just get this little prayer time to go there with you, and you're like, God, this place just needs a believer 
to share the love of Jesus with them? Would you send somebody? And God's just like, are you kidding me? Are you serious right now? God, like, man, school is so hard. Like, like the, the stuff they teach and the stuff, like it's so, there's no belief. God, would you send some believers to witness to these heathen people? And God's like, I did. I sent you. I sent you. God, would you just, we just need more, like we just need a church that believes that they could change L.A., God, we just believe, like, God, would you just, would you just raise up a church that, and God's like, I did. It's called Oasis. It's called Oasis. See, some of us, some of us, some of us live our spiritual, here's what you need to understand. Listen to me. When Jesus Christ went to the cross and he uttered these words, it is finished. Everything Jesus did, he did in that moment, and he dispersed his Holy Spirit inside of everyone who would call upon his name so that they could go out and change their world. Moses, what is in your hand? Moses looks at it, and he just is like, well, Lord, it's, it's just my shepherd's staff. It's my staff. But you got to understand something. The staff was not just a staff. It didn't just represent his gift. It represented everything he was. The staff in his hand represented his livelihood, how he made money, how he would provide for his family, how he would put food on the table. It represented his strength. It's, it's, how, he, it's how he fought off all of the animals that would come and try to, try to take away his livelihood. It represented his influence. He had influence when this staff was in his hand. He had influence over the sheep. He had influence in his family. It was limited, but he still had influence. And so when God says, Moses, what's in your hand? He was literally asking him, what, 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 who are you? What do you have? And really, honestly, it's the, it's the, same, it's the same thing that Jesus does in the New Testament. What God does here, God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to take what you have and I want you to release it. And the minute he releases it, it becomes alive. So much so that he is now fearful and he steps back. He's like, what, what is happening? This thing I've had in my hand for years, this thing that represented influence here, this thing that, that brought me some money so I could provide, I've had that staff in my hand. I never knew it could do that. That's because in your hand, it's dead. But when you release it to him, it becomes alive. And it's alive and he's like, whoa. And God says, now pick it up. And the minute it goes back into his hand, it becomes a dead, dry stick. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus called people into a life of salvation and a life of service, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to deny yourself. I want you to pick up your cross and I want you to follow after me. I want you to release what you have and I want you to put it in my hands so that it could be greater influence than you've ever had. Greater influence than you've ever had. And I know some of you sitting there like, Pastor, that's a great analogy. Um, you might be stretching that one a little bit. Like, is that really what's taking place? Well, let's go New Testament. 
Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine, story about Jesus and he's preaching. And Jesus could preach. He was long-winded. He didn't have a little clock telling him how much time he had left. He just preached until the sun went down. And he's preaching. All of a sudden, his disciples come to him. And they're like, hey, Jesus, the hour's late. And the people are hungry. In other words, the serve team is like, yo, pastor. I'm kind of hungry. Three services. Like, can we eat? And they come, and here's what Jesus says. Jesus is like, because they're like, we should send them away. And Jesus goes, don't send them away. He says, you give them something to eat. You give them something. And they're like, we, 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 we don't have anything to give them. And I think too often times we always focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. We, we, we focus so much on what we don't have rather than what we, we do. I, I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if we should do that. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, now, now go see what you do have. And so they go and they find a little boy and they mug him for his lunch. Now, I know they mugged him because you never hear from this child again. He's never in scripture again. He's never, he wasn't even named. He's just a, there's a kid with a lunch, boom, gone. They bring, they bring some loaves of bread and some fish back. And they say, here's, here's what we have. And Jesus says, give it to me. The Bible says that Jesus took it he broke it, and he blessed it. But do not miss the next part. He did not distribute it. He gave it back to the disciples to go and distribute to the people. See, I think some of us are like, okay, Jesus, here's what I have. Go do something. I, Jesus, I surrender my life. All right, go save L.A., and Jesus is like, no, you, you missed the last step. I want you to release it so I can bless it, so I can, I can break it, so I can make it much, but I'm gonna give it back to you because I want you to go to your job place. I want you to go to your school. I want you to go to your neighbor. I need you. LA needs you. And so he gives it back. And literally thousands of people ate that day. The awesome part about the whole story is you know what happened at the end of it? 12 baskets full were left. How many disciples were there? 12? Think that was just coincidence? No, that was God saying, hey, I want you to remember. Take a basket with you. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. Moses! What's in your hand? What do you possess? What do you have? Not what don't you have, but what do you have? What do you need to release so that, that I can use it to lead these people out of bondage, out of slavery? What, 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 what do you have? But like so many of us today, Moses 
was wrestling with some impurity. Moses was wrestling with the fact. When he said, now, nah, now, nah, you got the wrong person, he was looking at the lens of his own impurity. The very reason why he's in the desert is because he killed somebody. The very reason why he's in the wilderness is because he murdered somebody. He's running for his life. And he hadn't dealt with the impurity. Matter of fact, in, in Exodus chapter 2, verse 15, it says that he tried to bury the Egyptian in the sand. But when you just try to cover up your impurity, know this, that the winds of the world will begin to blow, and it'll blow that sand right off your impurity. It'll be, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And if all we're doing is trying to cover our own impurities, thinking, well, I'll just, I'll just cover this, and I'll just cover that, and I'll just, I'll just, I'll just you know. No, it's going to catch up to you. It's going to catch up to you. That's why the Bible says in Isaiah 64 that all of our attempts at righteousness are like filthy rags. It fades even like a leaf. Fades. Speaking of what, what Adam and Eve did in the book of Genesis, trying to cover their own sin with fig leaves. Nice attempt. It might last for a moment. But I'm telling you, that sand is going to uncover the impurities in your life. There's only one way to deal with the impurity in our life, and that is bring it to the foot of Jesus and say, Jesus, here it is. Would you cleanse me? Anyone who confesses their sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive them of all unrighteousness. But know this, know this, that even in spite of your impurities, God still uses you. That God is not looking for perfect people. He's looking people who pursue the one who is perfect. And as long as we're pursuing him, we're in process. And God can use us. God can use us. God shows up in the backside of the wilderness and finds him. God can show up wherever you're at. You, you, could, you could be living in impurity. You could be shacked up with somebody, living with somebody you ain't married to. Hello. Not at Oasis. This, if I preach, this would be other churches. All of a sudden, you just shacked up with someone. All of a sudden, you hear this knock at the door. You're like, did you invite somebody? Nope. Did you invite somebody? Nope. And I don't know what it is with knocks at the door these days. How many know when you hear a knock at the door, you dive under the couch? There, you know, there used to be a time when someone knocked at the door, you were so excited, like, oh my gosh, who is it? Hopefully it's our neighbors. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are too young. You're like, really? That was a thing? Yeah, some of us are older, like, yeah, man. But now you get a knock at the door, you're like, turn the lights off, turn the lights off, hide, hide. Don't let anybody know we're here. I invite nobody over. Check the ring doorbell. Who has the audacity to knock on my door right now? And you go and check, and all of a sudden you're like, peek, and it's like, whoa, God's at the door. You're like, whoa. He'll find you where you're at. He'll find you. He'll find you right where you're at. You could be at the nightclub. Come on, somebody. He, somebody's like, yeah, I heard it right over here. He's like, yeah, I was there last night. Somebody at Avalon. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's not your thing? Elevate? Somebody's like, how did he know? That's why I didn't come to the early service. And you're there on the dance floor. Come on, elbows at 90 degrees. Come on, somebody. Oh, you don't watch movies? Come on. Right? And you're dancing. I'm white. That's how I dance, all right? You're dancing. 
What's so funny? You know I'm white. That's why I look good on the screen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Pastor Julian's don't look good, but look at me, man. Check these white shoes out. Come on, somebody. They look good on the screen. Yeah. Hey, send these things to San Diego when you get your new screen, all right? Because I'm, I'm white. I'll make it look good. You're dancing. It, why are we laughing? Man, you ever seen a white person dance before? Come on. And, and all of a sudden, you get this tap on the shoulder, and you're like, man, what's going on? Dancing with your partner, and all of a sudden, you turn, and God wants to cut in. I've been looking for you. What? What do you mean you've been looking? I need you. I need you. Make no mistake. God will move earth to get to you when he has it in his mind and in his purpose to use you. And you can run where you want to run. You can go where you want to go. But he's still going to find you. He's still going to find you. Here's what you need to understand. Listen to me. Some of you are dealing with that. you got some impurities in your life, and you're thinking, well, God can't use me. That's great, 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 great sermon title, great series. L.A. needs me. But must be talking to everybody else. L.A. don't need me because i got some stuff going on in my life. Listen to me. It's not about where you were. It's not about where you are. It's about where he's taking you. And when God shows up and said, hey, I'm going to use you, it doesn't matter. Listen to me. God uses crooked sticks all day long to draw straight lines. Because it's not about how straight the stick is, it's about whose hand the stick is in. And when you say, here it is, he can take that crooked stick and he can draw straight lines. It's not about how pure you are, it's about are you in process pursuing the one who is pure. Moses had to deal with that. Moses had to deal with his uncertainty. I'm not sure you got the right one. Like, like I'm, matter of fact, I'm pretty sure you don't have the right one. And I love, I love, I love what God does here. God says, no, you need to understand something um, uh, because I, you just need to tell him that I am who I am is with you. Because the I am in you is greater than he that is in the world. And you need to understand something, Moses. No, you just go, I am who I am is with you. It's not even really you going. You're just going to be, I'm going to speak to you. And I wanted you to say it, but now I'm going to speak to you. And you got to speak to Aaron and then Aaron's going to say it. the same thing you know this is technically the same thing that Jesus does in the New Testament when he commissions people to go into all the world he says that he does this he baptizes them with the Holy Spirit and he fills them with his spirit and he says now go be bold witnesses but I need a sign how do I know I've been filled with the spirit I'll give you a heavenly language I'll give you a new, read Acts chapter two. I'll give you a new language. Moses was uncertain. He had to deal with his uncertainty. And then lastly, Moses had to deal with what many of us have to deal with. This is insecurity. Insecurity. Insecure. Because Moses had a stutter. He was insecure. And he had to deal with this insecurity that was in his life. Listen, when the movie came out, it's like, let my people go. Anybody ever seen the movie? What movie, pastor? <laughs> it was probably more like, let people go. And he knew that. And because of that, there was an insecurity inside of him. 
But doesn't the Bible say that his strength is made perfect in my weakness? She's, God looks at him and says, hey, look, man, I know who you are. I made your mouth. I know who you are. I got the right person. Don't matter what the handicap is. God wants to use you to reach L.A. God wants to use Oasis Church to reach L.A. But know this, that every time we step out in obedience, the test is going to come. The test is going to come. And in Exodus chapter 14, we see the test. After the 10 plagues, all of a sudden, Pharaoh is like, get out of Egypt. And so they go to leave Egypt. And as they're leaving Egypt, the Bible says they come to the Red Sea. So here's the scene. The Red Sea is in front of them. There's no way to cross over it. And now Pharaoh's like, I know you said you could go, but you know what, army? Go kill them. And so Pharaoh now sends his army after Israel to destroy them and wipe them off the face of the planet. And so here they are, and they're standing in front of the Red Sea. What are we going to do? Army's coming, coming to kill them. So Moses is like, what are we going to do? Moses sees the fear in the people's faces. Probably much like the, the fear that people have when you walk around L.A. because they have no hope inside of them, no Savior. Listen, lift up your eyes. Look around your city. Without Christ, they're doomed. There is no hope. That's why God sent you. Moses looks at him, sees the fear. So Moses comes up with a great speech. Exodus chapter 14, the test. Verse 13. Moses sees him and says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And it's such an epic moment in Scripture. I mean, just reading it makes me feel like, yes, go God. But all of a sudden, God speaks back to Moses and says, why are you crying to me? Tell the people to get moving and pick up your staff. Take what's in your hand. Take what he's given you. Take, take what he's placed inside of you. The ability to love people, the ability to serve people, the, the ability to write a check and fund the kingdom, the ability to, to go out and witness to the lost, the ability to show up to a church service, the, the ability to get involved in a small group, the, the ability to shake a hand at the door. Take what he's given you. Pick up what's in your hand and raise it over the water and separate the water so that millions of people can walk through on dry ground. And the Bible says that Moses took his staff and lifted it up and the water separated and people walked across on dry ground. Oh my God, Oasis, do you hear me today? There is something inside of you. There is something God placed inside of you. There is something God placed inside of his church. There's something got placed inside of your pastor. 
And God is looking at you and saying, stop crying out to me and just take what I put inside of you and raise it up so that your coworkers, so that your neighbors, so that your fellow students can find Christ, can find hope, can find deliverance, can find salvation, can find meaning, can find purpose, can find life and life abundance. I gotta know, is there anybody in this service today that believes they have something to give to him that can be used? If you believe it, would you stand to your feet right now? If you believe God's placed something inside of you, and God's positioned you, God's purposed you, listen. I heard your pastor, and I know there's a big giving day coming. And I heard him say, I'm believing for 300,000. But I'm telling you right now, there's somebody sitting in this room right now. They weren't in the first service. They're not gonna be in the second service. But they're sitting in this room right now. Listen to me. That money is going to fund the kingdom of God. But there's somebody sitting in this service right now that God has blessed you with the ability to accumulate finances. It's God's gift on your life. It's the way God designed you. It's the way God, it's what he put in your hand. And I believe there's somebody in here right now that you have the ability to write one check for $300,000. I don't say that lightly. I've never said that in a church service before in my life. And God's saying, that's you. I put that in your hand. And I believe it's not gonna be 300,000. I believe it's going to be far greater than 300,000 that, that comes in on the Sunday. But it's not even going to have to wait till that Sunday. My God, I, I, hope, I hope you stood to your feet because, not because I moved you with something, but I hope you, hope you stood to your feet because you heard the heart of the message today. LA needs you. Listen to me, I'm gonna say this. You live in the most influential city in the nation. I'm gonna say this and take it even further. You, you potentially live in the most influential city in the world. The old saying goes, as California goes, so goes the nations. But there's a city. There's a city. There's a city. There's a city my God that as the city goes goes the state, goes the nation goes the world Pastor Julian you're on to something man LA needs you LA needs you, LA needs you God, there's, mm, there's somebody that you just moved to LA in the last 30 days and you've been wrestling with the move you've been wrestling with the move and uh, maybe it hasn't gone easy it's been a little challenging. It's been a little tough. And you're wrestling right now. You're wrestling with the move. And you're thinking, man, do I need to go back? Do I need to throw in the towel? I don't know what brought you here, but you're here. And you moved within the last 30 days. And you've been wrestling with the move. Can I just see a hand? Is that somebody right now? I know I'm talking to somebody. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. The last 30 days, 30, 45 days, I don't know where you're at. Come on. Come on where you at. I know you're in the service. Oh, man. Somebody just pointed to somebody. I can't see very well. Where you at? Somebody help me out. They're, they're right there. I, can't, I see hands. Can I pray for you, wherever you're at? I know someone, oh, there you are. Get up here, can you get up here? I know this might, might seem a little uncomfortable. I don't know your name, I don't know who you are, but 
Um, Jesus, 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 Jesus. How, how long over those red numbers do I need to just boom, hard stop? We good right now? We good? Okay. Just right there. Where, where, what's your name? Sawyer. Sawyer. You just moved here in what, the last 30 days or so? Yeah. Where'd you move from? Dallas. Can I just say this first and foremost? God rescued you out of Dallas. Dallas, I mean, I think Dallas just showed up saved. I don't even know. I mean, like, I mean, there's like, so, I mean, you, like, there's a church on every corner. Like, it's like, that's what we do. We, God brought you. What do you do? You're a director. Yeah. Man. Let me pray for you, Sawyer. Can I take your hand? Lord, I thank you for Sawyer. Wow. This week, God, I don't know what's been happening, but I do know he showed me that you've been wrestling. Like, man, did I make a mistake? Should I go back? Man, uh, Pastor Jason, yeah, after, after I get done praying, man, you need to connect with this dude. There's something on him. I don't know what that all meant. There's something on him. There's something on him. There's something on him. God brought you here. You thought you were pursuing a career, but God was saying, no, I've been pursuing you. And I brought you here because I need you here in LA. And not only do I need you here at LA, I need you in this church. I need you at Oasis. I actually brought you for Oasis because there's some gifts and talents on your life that God is going to use right here in this church that are going to help elevate this church and become a bigger and brighter light. Matter of fact, I, I, I just sense that there's actually been moments where you're not only uh, running from here, but there's been moments where you've been running from God. And God would say, nah, you tried to run, but I found you in the backside of the desert. I found you. I found you and I'm pulling you out and I'm calling you by name. Sawyer, I know who you are. I know the inadequacies. I know the uncertainties. I know, I know the painful moments you walk through. I see that in the last two years, there's been some painful moments relationship-wise. There's been some relational challenges, relational disappointments. Again, it might even been what spawned the move here, but God is saying, I found you. I found you. You could have moved anywhere, but I needed you here. I needed you here. I needed you here. I needed you here. So Lord, we pray for Sawyer right now. And God, we pray your good and perfect will would be done in Sawyer's life. And God, the very reason of why you brought him. Lord, it's not for money. It's not for a job. It's not for a position. It's for your kingdom. And so, Lord, I pray today that, God, your kingdom come. Lord, your will be done in Sawyer's life in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, come right over here and meet Pastor Jason. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, 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 listen. Listen, there, there. how many of you right now, you are not um, serving in a team at Oasis? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You are currently not serving in an area, not just a team, but you're not serving here at Oasis. Raise your hand if you're not serving here at Oasis. Okay, some of you don't want to raise your hand. You're like, dang it. It's on camera. Like, we're going to go back and watch. I'm a basketball coach as well. We go back and watch film. I'm going to go back and watch this film. You're like, that dude didn't raise his hand, but he should have been raising his hand. I'm going to find him. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what I need you to do if you haven't done it yet. Um, we're going to pull up some information right now. I need you to download the app. And when you go to that app, there's going to be a part that says join a team. Uh, listen to me, the greatest way for the gift that's in your hand to be, to, to be just kind of grow and, and be show up is as you serve. I'm telling you right now, it'll make you a greater witness. Look, listen, your pastor is the pastor of this church because he started on a serve team. I should see people grabbing phones right now. I'm telling you, I gotta watch the replay. Just download the app, join a team, 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 join a team. I'm gonna finish with this. Because I believe in the power of what God's doing here. I believe in the power of what God's doing here. So good. So good. And just as the I am said, I will go with you. In the book of Acts, Jesus said, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
if you, I'm not gonna ask you to come forward, but I'm gonna ask you right where you're at, if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but you wanna get that, I don't have time doctrinally to get into it. I just need to trust the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. You are, oh, we got people coming. Come on, somebody. I didn't even say, you know, she's hungry. All right, we're gonna do it. If you wanna be baptized in the Holy Spirit, get out of your seat right now and come on up, quickly, come on up. You wanna be baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak with your tongues, come on up, join this lady right here. Is there anybody else? I'm telling you, come on, come on, come on. It'll empower you. You'll be a different, you'll be a different serve person, hallelujah. Come on, come on, get on up here, get on up here, get on up here, get on up here, hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, 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 we're just, come on, there's guys, is there more of you? More of you, anybody else? Anybody else? You wanna be baptized, Holy Spirit? Come on, come on, come on. You're making the service run late, don't blame me, it's on you, you gotta get out of your seat. Come on, get out of your seat, get out of your seat. You wanna be baptized, Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I'm gonna pray for every single one of you. I'm gonna turn the service over, and uh, I'm gonna pray. Come on, if you need that, make sure you download that app. Join a team, join a team, join a team. Stay right there, I'm coming. Hold on. Come on, come on. Hey, real quick, real quick. Real quick, I just got to say this last thing. I know, I just interrupted the flow of the Holy Spirit right there. Um, in Acts chapter 2, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, you got to hear this because people miss this. It says that they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. A lot of us just want the Holy Spirit to start moving our lips. That's not what happened. Everything you receive in the kingdom of God is received through faith. And faith requires action. And so as I come pray for you, here's what's going to happen. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to give you an utterance, and it's going to sound like, what is that? You've got to begin to speak. That's the faith part, as the Holy Spirit gives you utterance. So Lord, I pray right now you would baptize them in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray for you. You. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org slash connect. We love you so much and we'll see you soon.